welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, we are in week two of our new series called Fire. And if you uh, missed last week, I encourage you, hop online on our church website, check out the message from Pastor Rob. He shared just, just a great message, but we are talking about fire in different situations throughout the Bible where, where fire was present and things were happening and there was a breakthrough, there was a miracle. And uh, we're just going to discover uh, some of those amazing stories in the Bible that, that, that speak about that. Uh, last week, Pastor Rob, he shared some stories of how he misused fire at an early age. And I was thinking about my life. Uh, I have some basic stories, but nothing crazy. And I think, I think the reason why I don't have the crazy is because my parents literally scared the fire out of me at an early age. Two different stories. Mom had one. Dad had one. Uh, I was about eight years old. We were in the kitchen hanging out. Mom got the, the, the pot ready with some oil in it and started it up and, and didn't realize she turned on the flame too, too high, so it was coming over into the actual pan. I'm in the kitchen with my brother, and there starts a massive fire in this pan in the kitchen. My mom comes walking back into the kitchen screaming, uh, freaking out, realizing that my brother and I are in the corner terrified for our lives with the glow of the orange flame on our face, just like we're dying, we're going to see Jesus right now. And so I was, I was scared in that moment, and uh, that was very traumatic. And then also, m- my dad, when I was a teenager, my dad is very much a do-it-yourself do it kind of guy and just get it done. And so uh, we had just bought a couple acres of land and had a home there, and we had some, some back, back part of, the, uh, of, our, of our acreage that we had some tall grass. And he's like, you know what? We're just going to start a little brush fire and burn off that grass. I don't want to mow it down. We're just going to get it done. Never done this before. He's from the city. Sure, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds great. So he starts the brush fire, and he enlists my brother and I to be a part of his uh, crew. And so one thing led to another, and before I know it, this fire is out of control. It's a, it's a raging forest fire on two acres. It's out of control. And so my brother and I were like, we're going to die. We're like trying to beat it out. And as I'm beating it out, I wish, I'm like, I wish I could beat my dad right now because what was he thinking? And of course, 911 is called, fire trucks come, the neighbor's like, oh, what's going on at the Bechtel house? This is a little incident here. And so, needless to say, I was thoroughly embarrassed. So I learned at an early age, you either die or you get embarrassed when you mess with fire. So I haven't touched it, really, to be honest with you. Uh, God, God taught me a lot through that. But we all know, we all have different stories of fire, I'm sure. And, and we've seen different situations where fire's been, been, been intense, whether it be uh, a, a tragic situation or maybe just at a campfire, you, you feel the intensity of it, the heat of it. So we respect fire and it's powerful. Biblically, it's kind of the same. Uh, it's, it's in, it, it, when we see it in scripture, it represents uh, an intensity of God. The holiness of God. So whenever we see fire and it's, it's moving and it's acting, it's probably representing either the intensity, the holiness of God, or a soon coming judgment. God used fire to bring about judgment upon uh, many, different, many, many different people groups. And so as we unpack this, just know we are looking at, at a representation of who God is. And, and very simply said in Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, God is a consuming fire. Literally, when you think about an, an image of God, you can correlate fire with that. God is a, is a consuming fire. Sounds intense. 
sounds intense. And, and we're going to look at a story here in just a little bit of, of the prophet Elijah and how he stood up for the Lord in a very extreme way and called down fire to prove a point. That God is the true God. God is the real God. And, I, and when I think about his life and what we're about to unpack, he was bold and courageous in his faith and he took a stand when no one else was, was willing to do that. And I got a couple questions for us. When was the last time you did something bold and courageous for God? Think about it. When was the last time you literally took a stand and did something bold and courageous for God? It wasn't just having the side conversation or inviting someone to church. That could have been a big deal for you. But for most of us, uh, we, we can do that. But one time you, you did something just, just out, out, of, out of your realm for the Lord. It was bold and courageous and you put yourself out there. Think about this. When was the last time you took a stand for your, for your faith despite the opposition? There was a lot of opposition. There was a lot of people that, that, were, that were maybe against you in the conversation or whatever it may be. And he said, you know what? This is truth. This is, this is what God's all about. And I got, I got to speak up. I got to take a stand. Maybe you even got ridiculed for it. But when was the last time you actually took a stand for your faith and, and let people uh, hear what, what, what you believe and what God is all about? I love this one. When was the last time you, you, uh, you prayed a prayer that produced a miracle? Now, God does the miracle, but, but, but maybe, maybe you're in a situation where you're like, you know what, I prayed for this, and, and I have the direct answer. I can see the dots being connected because of my prayer. I asked for it, and God delivered. That's awesome. Are you praying those prayers where you're saying, God, I need a miracle, and you watch God produce it? It's amazing. Uh, this one, I love this one as well. When was the last time you had a holy fire in your gut that compelled you to do something that only you could do? You just felt God stirring and you're like, I don't know what this is. This isn't me. This is, this is not, not, not what I would tr- uh, traditionally do or, or it's not in my, my gift set, but I just feel I got to do this. I got to start this. I got I to speak up. I, I got to go there. I got to offer this, this, this thing, whatever it may be. When was the last time you had that stirring, that fire in your gut? And you knew it was the Lord and you had to act upon it. Man, when I, when I think about those questions, I think that God, I want to have, have a great answer for every single one of them. I want to have this situation and, and that prayer and that, that little fire in my, in my belly that God gave me. I want to have those moments where I can speak to these questions. But I think about some of the tension that we face when we hear stories like this. And this, is, this isn't just a, a nice little Bible story. This is an actual event we're about to unpack. But we read these stories and we think about our lives and there's a tension because, you know what, we all want the miracle. We all want to see God do great things in our life, but not all of us are willing to put ourselves out there. We want the miracle. God, I'll I'll welcome the miracle. God, if you want to do the breakthrough, I'm all about it. But God, I don't know if I'm willing to put myself out there to see it happen, to work for it. To, to be bold, to be courageous. So when I think about Elijah, I think, you know what? His story is inspirational for us. Hopefully it'll set us on fire, literally, so that, so that we say, God, you know what? I just want to burn bright for you. I want to stand and be bold and courageous for you because, God, that's what you designed me to do. So we're going to look at his story. Again, Prophet Elijah, he did something extremely bold, and, and we're going to unpack the story. It unfolds in First in Kings over several different chapters. So I'm going to try to get us up to speed here real quick and, uh, and help us uh, understand the context. But uh, Elijah, he took a stand for God during a season of Israel's history when pagan worship was rampant. It was all over the place. Again, Israel was, was God's chosen nation. God delivered them, delivered them, saved them, healed them. And they always fell back into pagan worship. So there is pagan worship going on, and it is not good. And it revolves around uh, the, the pagan god Baal. 
And Baal was known for uh, fertility, and he was known as the god of rain. So if rain came, crops grew, and they didn't have fast food back then, so they needed a lot of crops, right? They needed a lot of corn and a lot of, a lot of other stuff to, to, uh, to sustain life. And so uh, it wasn't raining, and, and so they were like, what's going on? And they would always pray to, 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 to the prophet Baal. And King Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel were the two that were really promoting this. And Jezebel, she came from a very uh, 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 pagan worshiping background. Her family members were were all about the prophet Baal or the uh, the, the, the um, pagan god Baal. And so he established that. And it says in First uh, Kings chapter sixteen, King Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Goes on to say that he provo- provoked God more than any. Other king, he was not a smart king, was he? He was rather stupid, because he is provoking the Lord. He is doing things that, that go against God's word, and it is, it is not a good situation. So finally, God had enough of all the pagan worship. So he he calls up uh, uh, Elijah. Elijah, come on, let's go. You're going to speak to King Ahab. So he uh, he sends Elijah to speak to King Ahab and to bring a proclamation. And it says in First Kings chapter 17, verse one, it says this. This is Elijah speaking. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So think about this. God sends Elijah. He confronts the king, gives his proclamation, puts a smack down, drops the mic, and then he walks away. God literally sends Elijah into hiding for the next three and a half years. So Elijah, he takes a stand, has a moment of clarity, a moment where he can proclaim what's about to happen, and then he disappears. God literally sends him away. And, and, and God sends him away again for three and a half years. And then he reappears. God sends him. His time's right. He reappears. And he issues a massive challenge. There is a showdown on, Mark, on Mount Carmel that's about to go down. And Elijah issues a massive challenge. And this is a challenge. He challenges the 450 prophets of Baal. And there's four, 400 other prophets of false gods. Challenges 850 prophets to a challenge. It's one prophet of God against 850 prophet, false prophets. And, and it is intense. And so this is the challenge. Elijah says this. Hey, here's the deal. He's like, we're going to set up an altar. And we're going to call down fire from heaven. And the God that produces fire from heaven is the one true God. And that's who we'll worship. And they all agreed upon it. And Elijah, he is putting his life on the line. This is intense. This is his, his, his do or die moment. And, and here's the deal. God had set the scene. The people were desperate. There was a drought. And so they're like, yeah, we, we want to worship the true God. We need rain. There's a severe drought. We don't know what's going on. We're, we're fearing for our lives. So they're ready for it. So the prophets of Baal, they, they sacrifice the bull. They cut themselves. They're worshiping Baal. Uh, they are worshiping from morning until night. And literally, nothing happens. It's embarrassing. Elijah, he's mocking them. He's making fun of them. Nothing is happening. Elijah gets in there, rebuilds the altar, sacrifices his bull, uh, drenches, drenches the, the, the wood and the altar with water. And it is, it, is, it is seemingly impossible to light this altar with fire. But Elijah, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, says this. This is what happens. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Talk about God being a consuming fire. He burned up the soil, the wood, and the stones. Burned it right up. Amazing. When all the people saw this, they felt prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So in that moment, those people, they, they saw the reality of who was the true God. And then soon after, this little cloud comes, is formed in the sky. And that little cloud grows into a large cloud. And rain comes for the first time in three and a half years. Amazing, amazing miracle. Amazing circumstance. And again, Elijah was a, was a part of it. And he did something that when I think about what, what, what I read in that scripture, he did something that I want a part of. I want, a, I, want a, I want a miracle like that. And I want a miracle like that for you and for I. I want us as a church, as a campus, to be a part of miracles of biblical proportions. Amen? amen. Most of you said amen. All right? Amen. I want to be a part of that. And here's the deal. God wants us to be a part of that. Again, we think about these stories. They're not just cool Old Testament stories. They, are, they, are, they were for then and they are for today. God wants us to be a part of miracles on a biblical scale. And we got to believe it. We have to believe it. So when I think about this story, I think about the reality is this. God is looking for ordinary people to stand up and do extraordinary things. Ordinary people, just like you and I, God's looking for us to stand up and say, you know what? I'll do it. I'll speak up. I'll have great faith. I'll believe God. Send me. Um, I'll be your prophet. I'll be your mouthpiece to stand up and to speak out your truth. Here's what I mean by that. In James chapter 5, verse 17, uh, it says this about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was human. He was normal. There was no special quality about his physical features other than he had great faith. He had big faith. Again, you read on, and he prayed firmly that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So think about it. All he was, he was a normal dude, normal guy, just doing his thing. And, and just felt like, you know what? God speaks to me in unique ways, and I speak it out. And so he did it. And then he prayed, God, I pray that it doesn't rain. And it doesn't rain. And then he prays, God, I pray that it rains. And it rains. He's asking God with great faith for big things, for miracles. Again, you think about your life. Are you asking God for miracles? Are there things in your life that you need a breakthrough in? Are you asking God to produce that miracle? God wants to connect those dots. And, uh, and again, Elijah, he was an ordinary guy doing ordinary things. And, uh, and I think in our context at times, and I think as a campus, we're grown way beyond this. But at times we think the missionaries and the pastors, they're the ones that do the heavy lifting spiritually. They're the ones that produce the miracles. If I, if I need a breakthrough, if I need a healing, I got to call Pastor Chris. Or I got to call Pastor Dave because really I, I can't do it on my own. I say that's false. That's a lie of the enemy. You yourself can produce the miracle. You yourself can see the breakthrough come about. And again, just having that mentality that, you know what? God, you can use me in my life to bring about a breakthrough. I can pray for my coworker that God would save his marriage. I don't need to call Chris, Pastor Chris and connect the dots and you should meet with this guy and this person. No, you can pray for that. You can pray that God would heal your leg. God can do that. And so just having that mentality, God, you can produce miracles in me and through me. It's powerful. Get this, church. When you think about Elijah's life, only you can respond to God's specific call upon your life. Only you can respond to God's specific call upon your life. Here's what I mean by that. Does anyone else in the room feel called to be this campus is youth pastor. We got one guy right there, Pastor Dave. 
Is he the only one that feels called to be this campus's youth pastor? I think so. I think so. And we love Pastor Dave being our youth pastor, right? A little affirmation for him. It's good. He loves that. Here's the deal. Pastor Dave, he's responded to the call God has put upon his life that only he can do. Now, if Pastor Dave were to transition on, we would, we would find a replacement and, and it would be fine. But there would be a season where we would feel that hit, where there would be a lack of ministry because Pastor Dave is currently fulfilling his calling upon his life. He's called to be a youth pastor at the Savage Campus and he's embraced it and he's doing it. And you think about your life. Only you can do what God has called you to do. And if you don't do it, no one else is. No one else is going to do it. So think about what has God called you to do? Is there something that maybe there's a little, there's just a little tiny pilot light God lit several years ago and it's there, but for whatever reason you have not turned up the gas or fanned the flame and it's, it's there, you identify it, but it's not burning bright. You got to respond to that. That is a call God has put upon your life. You got to respond to that and embrace it and let God fan into flame something special, something miraculous within you. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. This is Elijah speaking. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. Elijah proclaims as he confronts the 850 false prophets, I am the only one that's left. Here's what he's saying. He's not the only prophet that's left. Again, uh, Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, she was relentless in killing off all the prophets of God. So she was, she was slicing and dicing as fast as she could. And they are running to the hills and to the caves. Literally, she's trying to kill them all. And they, they, they have been scattered. So all the prophets of the Lord are either killed or scattered. Elijah's saying, guess what? I'm the only one that has responded to the call that God has put upon my life. I'm the only one that's willing to stand up for what's right. So only God had called Elijah. There was no other prophet that, that, that had been called at that time but Elijah. God didn't call the, the, the other two prophets in caves or whatever it may be. He called Elijah. So only Elijah could respond. So he responded to the call. And I think about the call. When God puts a call upon your life, only you have the courage and the strength and the boldness to stand up and do it. You can't think about the next person. Well, they do this or they have that skill set or they're more equipped or, or they're more able, they're positioned better. That may be true, but if they're not called, they don't have the passion and the desire that you do. Again, you got that flame. You got that fire God's put in you. Only you can respond to that. So again, I just think about uh, what God has done in our midst. And for you, I don't know what God has called you to. But maybe it's, maybe it's to, to, to lead a life group. Maybe it's to be a part of the prayer team. Maybe it's to start serving at a higher level. Maybe it's that Ethiopia trip that I just mentioned. Maybe it's a global project team. Maybe it's to start that business. Maybe it's to share your faith with your mom or your dad or with your relative or maybe, maybe with that neighbor that you can't stand. Just maybe. Maybe it's to take a stand for what's right in the workplace. And it could mean you're putting your job on the line, but you'd rather say, God, I want to I wanna fear you rather than fear man. And you say, God, you know what? I'm willing to take a stand. And I'm going to do it with boldness and confidence and with love, but God, I'm going to do it. What has God called you to do? Because again, think about it. only you can respond to that call that God has put upon your life. I love it. Um, so uh, I think about uh, uh, when, when God has called us and God has put things in our hearts and in our lives. Um, at times we, we can think, God, I, it's got to happen right now in this moment. But as we embrace it, we, we just rely upon God's timing. And there's a peace about that. So, so really quickly, when I think about uh, uh, Elijah's life, sometimes God slows down our calling to prepare those who, are, who we are called to. 
Sometimes we feel the call and we feel like it's not moving fast enough. There's gaps in the calling. But you know what? God is pacing us out because he's preparing us for those he has called us to. Again, Elijah gave the word, dropped the mic. God sent him into hiding for three years. For three years, Elijah is in hiding. What is happening? God's preparing Elijah. But more importantly, God is making the people of Israel desperate. We are desperate for rain. We are desperate to know the true God. There is a desperation that, that God had to brew within, within, the Israel, within the Israelites to get them ready to receive the challenge and ultimately God's word. God had, God had to get them ready. And I think about Elijah. He's, he, again, he's off hiding. God sends him. The whole time Elijah is hiding, he didn't know the plan. Again, he, he, he was God's mouthpiece, pro- proclaimed something significant, but God sends him away. He doesn't know the plan. Literally, birds are bringing him food. Has a bird brought you food before? You've ate a bird that has come your way, but literally birds are coming, bringing, dropping in food, and he's just eating it. And then God sends him to, to a widow with a boy and says, eat her last meal. He's going to steal food from, from a widow and a, and a boy that's dying and and so, I mean, God is sending them and literally providing day by day, hour by hour, and it's miraculous. Have you ever taken a, a road trip with your kids and they say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're like, no, there's like four more hours. And then four minutes later, are we there yet? And you're like, are you kidding me? Put on a movie, fall asleep, read a book, do something other than ask me, are we there yet? And here's the deal with that. Our kids, when we're in a car driving on, on the six-hour road trip, they have no concept of time. They have no concept of my time. My four-year-old cannot understand. Now, she's five. She cannot understand uh, the concept of time. And I think with the Lord and our calling, we don't understand his concept of time. Because it, it's way beyond our scope. It, it, is, it is way beyond what we can understand. And, and we get anxious and we get worried. It's not happening. It's not the right timing. It's too soon. God, I'm not ready for this. And again, we don't understand God's concept of time. And God's time is perfect. So we slow it down. Or we speed it up if he wants to thrust us into the moment. And we just go with it. We trust his timing in our lives. We're not the annoying kid on the road trip saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? We trust God's timing. So as, as we embrace those moments that God maybe has us hidden for, for a season, we just understand that it's a part of God's plan. It's going to refine us and prepare us and prepare those he's called us to. So our faith, our faith, our calling is prepared in private but it is always proclaimed in public. God may want to prepare us in private, but it is always proclaimed in public. You're going to have to go public with your faith and with your calling at some point. It can't stay hidden. Again, Elijah, he was hidden for three and a half years, but he didn't remain in hiding, just worshiping the Lord. And sometimes our faith, we're like, God, you know what? Me and you, no one knows our secret. It's our little secret that I have a relationship with you and no one knows. I'm not going to pray out loud. I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Family members may know that I go to church. I'm religious. But God, that's all they need to know. They don't need to know that I got a, I got a legit relationship with you. And it's good. It's our secret. God, it's good. And we, we just want to keep it private. And I think that's part of our, our American culture is that we want to be private with our lives and just kind of keep things in order. And God wants us to be public. God wants us to share our faith with others. Our faith was never meant to be private. Uh, think about this. Jesus didn't die publicly so that we could live our faith privately. Jesus died a horrific, embarrassing, very public death for us. Think about what he did on the cross for you and for I. Mocked, ridiculed, very public. Jesus did that for you and for, for me 
I'm going to take a stand for my, for my faith for him. I'm going to be public for him, right? I'm just going to let people know what I'm about because Jesus set the tone for me. Uh, some of you know this because I've shared it before. But, uh, but up until, man, about 10 years ago, I was, uh, I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Horrified. Horrified. And, uh, and again, some of you, some of you have heard this before, but even like my, my senior project in, in college, um, again, these are my, my 15 friends in front of me, my professor that I've known for five years, uh, as a five-year senior, if you didn't catch that. Um, there you go. Um, it's okay. Pace yourself. It's good. It's good. But I, I, I was horrified to, 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 to do that. I'm like, God, I, I don't want to do this. And that, that, that made me slow to respond to my call in the ministry because I'm like, God, if I'm going to be a pastor, then that means I have to preach. That means I've got to be in front of people. That, that's not going to work. That's going to be an awful experience for everyone involved in that moment. And I don't want to go there. And it was, it was bad. I think about physically, I could have been a, like a clinical study on adverse effects of public speaking. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong, sweaty palms, sweaty face, sweaty armpit, sweaty feet, uh, dry mouth, cotton mouth, wet mouth. Um, I think of uh, number one, number two, number three, number four. If you haven't experienced that, that'll change your life. Um, everything that could have gone wrong physically, my body had that adverse effect. And it, seriously, it was, it was terrifying. But I had to realize, you know what? God's called me to it. And as much as I dislike being in that situation, if God's called me to it, um, I'm going to respond because it's not about me. It's about God. And if God's going to put me in that, in, in that position, then I'm going to trust him that he's going to equip me and get me ready to do it. And, and, and we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. And over the years, I, I've embraced that and I've grown in that. And I just share that very honestly with you because I think for some of you think, well, I don't have that gift set. That's not me. That's not get, get over yourself. You got to get over yourself. If you're going to do great things for God, you got to get over yourself and trust the Lord with what he's called you to do. For some, real quick, we have the church pick church picnic coming up and water baptism has been staring you in the face and you need to respond and take the plunge for the Lord. I don't care what you look like wet. I really don't. All right. Does anyone else care what you look like wet? Right. We don't care. Take the plunge. It's amazing. It's defining for your faith. And that, that is a moment where you may feel like Elijah, where you're going to stand up in front of people and say, you know what? I'm going to be bold and courageous because I feel like I want to take a stand for the Lord. And I may, I've, I've really never done it before. Or maybe I was raised in the church, but for whatever reason, I've just, hasn't happened. Don't, don't let the, the, the enemy keep you in ridicule and thinking like, man, you're going to be embarrassed. Just go for it. Take a stand. Be courageous. Sign up online this week as soon as you can so we can get you ready for that. But have that defining moment for the Lord. So for Elijah, the whole reason why he was all about signing up for the Lord, it was twofold. It wasn't simply because he was a flamboyant uh, prophet that was all about uh, going down in flames. He wasn't all about stirring the pot and just being kind of like a, 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 a kind of free-flowing free shooter for the Lord. He was very strategic. He was very thoughtful. And he was very um, responsive to the Lord. So his, he took a stand for two reasons. He was obedient to God. He desired to be more faithful than to be more fearful. He just, God, I want to be faithful. I want to respond to you. If you've called me, I want to be more faithful than I am fearful. Because there's a lot of apprehension, a lot of fear right now that would hold me back. But God, I want to respond to you. Secondly, he cared about people. Think about it. He desperately wanted to, 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 to connect a nation. He wanted to connect Israel back to God. And he loved the Lord. And he saw, he saw the, 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 the path that Israel had taken. And he wanted to be a bridge, a connector, to connect a whole people group back to God. He desperately wanted to do that. 
So I think about for us, action steps, uh, doing great things for the Lord and, and being, being very much like Elijah. I think a couple things need to happen as we wrap up. We need to examine our hearts. We need to truly examine our hearts. Do we desire to obey God more than we fear men? Because if there is fear holding, holding you back, again, you are missing out on something special, probably miraculous that God wants to do in you and through you. So, so we want to respond and desire to obey God more than fear men. Also, are you motivated by lost and hurting people? There are people that are broken. There are people that are searching for answers. Uh, even in this room, uh, I, 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 stuck, I stood back during worship just to see who was here. At times I like to do that. And I see faces and I, I see people that you're in the midst of a struggle. You are, you've been broken. And there are other people like you. And God may, God may want to use your tragedy, tragedy to become your platform to minister to others. So again, you've got to let God get you ready and prepare you so that you are able to minister to others that are broken and hurting that, that share your story. God wants to use you. So do you have a heart for people to use your story to bring others back to God? I want to share a quote for you as we wrap up. It's from a, a missionary called Jim Elliott. And he was a missionary to Ecuador. And he literally gave his life for the gospel. And he was extremely bold, extremely courageous for the things of the Lord. And it did cost him his life. But he shared a statement about, about the American church. And it's very compelling. He says this, While we profess to know the power the 21st century cannot reckon with, we are all sideliners, coaching and criticizing the real wrestlers while content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. We are spiritual pacifists, conscientious objectors in the battle of the death with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Listen to this. The world cannot hate us. We're too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Do you want to be dangerous for God? Do you want to be combustible for God's kingdom? That wherever God puts you, there's a chance you could be a fire hazard wherever you go. Do you want to be like that? Because in your, in your own way, God wants you to. In your own calling, God wants to take that little fire that he's given you in, in your belly. He wants to make it burn where all of a sudden it begins to consume you. And it defines who you are. And wherever you go, you're setting little wildfires like my dad. Things are burning up. And it becomes, it becomes just this, this raging inferno that God has used through your life to proclaim his message of goodness and of hope. Do you want to be like that, church? So my question for you as we close, are you ready to be bold in your faith and take a stand? Are you ready? Elijah was ready. I mean, he, he had that one defining moment. We don't have another moment in scripture where it was, it's that defining for him. But I got to imagine he was saying, God, you know what? I'm ready. When you call my name, when you want me to stand up, I will stand up. Because God, I want to be combustible. I want to be someone that, that just takes a stand and shines bright for you. Are you ready for that, church? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Really simply, as we close, I want to do something very symbolic. For some, God has been stirring your heart for years with a specific call and you have yet to respond and I encourage you in these moments don't feel condemned feel inspired and empowered this is your day this is when it starts for others maybe you're new to your faith and this sounds a little intense for you talking about fire and God's fire and holiness and this, this is a new thing for you but I, I want you to know God sees greatness in you and God will define that for you 
And God wants to give you a passion that is from him and that is not of this world, but that God can use for his honor. Your life will represent Jesus more than it will anything else. Do you want that? For others, you, you, are, you are living your passion. You are pursuing your call. You, you've identified it. You're pursuing it. I want to encourage you, continue to shine bright. Be combustible in every setting that God has put you in. Let God continue to use you to make a difference. Don't give up on your call. But for all of us, again, symbolically, if you are here and you want to be bold in your faith and take a stand with no one looking around, you could be the only person in the room, I want you to stand up. If you're here and you want to take a stand for the Lord, this is your moment, very symbolically, simply stand up. Again, for some, this could be the first time you ever stand up for anything in terms of the Lord. Simply do it. You could be the only one. Trust me, you're not. But if you were, would you stand up? Everyone in the room, this is for you. Please stand up. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Mm. Thank you, God. Lots of people. You want to be combustible for the Lord. You want to take a stand. Father God, I thank you for those that are here right now that have said, God, I'm standing up. And God, it's symbolic. God, it's between me and you, Lord. I'm taking a stand for the call you've placed upon my life. And for some, it's clear. For some, it's undefined. And for some, God, it's simply, God, I'm in hiding. I am waiting for my moment. But God, I stand up symbolically for you in these, in these moments right now. And God, I pray that you see these hearts, purify their hearts, God, refine the calling, refine um, the passion that you've given them for you. And God, I pray, use them to do great things for you. God, use them to be miracle workers, God, wherever they go. God, use them, God, uh, to, to, to set a fire other people so that, God, they can pass on that same passion that they have for you. Father God, I just pray a blessing upon our campus. And Lord, I pray that our campus would be full of Elijah's, God, people that are willing to take a stand and make a difference and call down fire from heaven and see miracles take place. In Jesus' name, amen.